up your wine. It's time for Rosé All Day and Julie's a Mess, where we talk about current events and living in an intersex life. And now, here's Julie. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Rosé All Day, Julie's a Mess. I have a little bit of a reverb. I'm going to move that. I think that's better. I think my my wine glass was in front of my microphone. So uh, welcome to episode 26 of Rosé All Day. I know that if you're joining us and watching from home, things look a little bit different in my studio. Usually I have the flowers behind me. I have the sign. It looks a little warmer. But I am in the process of packing and moving. And boy, what an emotional driven week it has been for me. I'm surprised. Uh, last week, I did not have anything to drink. This week, I am drinking. Drinking! Because I need it. So let's talk about my wine this week. I am drinking wine out of the box. It is Francia. I actually really like it. I've already knocked into it a little bit and had a couple of nips. It is very refreshing in the way of rosés. A lot of people, I think, don't think boxed wine would be so refreshing. I did hear a tip this evening from my guest saying that normally people will take the Mylar bag out of the box and slap it at a festival before they have to drink it. There is no Mylar box in here. I'm going to show the camera. It is just a cavernous hole of wine. But, you know, I'm not one to be left behind. <laughs> I poured it into my glass, into my XX Wine Rosé All Day Tumblr, which is available on JustJulie.com by clicking on the merchandise site. XX Wine Rosé All Day. Who doesn't want a mug with my mug on it? That's all I'm saying. Look, I got to hawk my own wares and pour wine down the front of my glass because of a big ice cube. Hmm. Guess I will be washing this later. Maybe I just want to touch my new boobs. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I'd like to say hello to everybody that's joining us in studio. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, you can always come in and say hi to us by joining the live comment thread and stream. Hi, Blair. Hi, Charlie. Those that are joining us right now. There may be more people watching, but we can only really see who joins through that comment thread. Let's get to it. My guest this week is the very lo lovable and smart, and I've known her for forever. I did her prom makeup. What? <laughs> Truth. Truth. King Blanchard. Hi, Vita. Hi, Julie. Hi, everyone. Vita, we have known each other a long time, huh? Yes. Yes. It has been a long time. A long, uh, like 20, more than 20 years, I guess. 90, I think I met you in 97 or 98. 90, sound about right? 96, I think. 97. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. We were both <laughs> living in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. What are you drinking this evening? I am drinking a mead. And I have my water because hydration is important. And I'm going to yes. push that. 
I'm just moving back to the South where there's a lot of humidity. So I'll get my water intake that way because it'll infuse my pores. And I continue to drink wine. So <laughs> that. It's good to have a plan. <laughs> right. It may not be a fruitful plan that works out, but it's good to have one. I think I everybody mean, should have yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'll be living in my truck for the first couple of weeks on there. It's an adventure. I'm going to treat it like a festival and hopefully I won't get murdered or raped. Or maybe I will. Who knows? You know, Julia's a mess. So um, how did we meet? Tell everybody at home how we met and uh, what that was like and maybe first impressions. How'd we meet, Dita? Uh, we were both working at Lone Star Steakhouse and um and we started taking cigarettes together because I know that I found you hilarious. And I think that was mutual. So <laughs> my ego is pretty sure that that was mutual. Still, <laughs> you're still hilarious. We used to, I used to go over to your house a lot. Well, I went to your house a lot actually during that time because I was a senior in high school. So I was still with my parents. Um, and you definitely came over a few times, but uh, we, we played, we did a lot of like, uh, dress up in your apartment and <laughs> of course and, I did. Yeah. and you were, uh, you were doing drag at that time occasionally. So you would like try on outfits for like, for me. And then after like you were set on what you were going to wear, essentially I became the dress up doll. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> Accurate. Was it was very fun. And then we had a lot of fun just with other people at Lone Star, but we had a lot of fun. And I do remember doing your makeup for prom. Mm -hmm. I remember you asked me to do that. And I was like, what? And then I was working. I got a job at Club Monaco Cosmetics and left Lone Star. Mm -hmm. And then I would always drag you places. Like you were like, I'm not sure I want to go. You're coming. <laughs> I don't have anybody else to take. <laughs> and we used to go to that rinky dink um i think you worked there too i know i worked there for like a weekend to that, that like weird hot spot like carnival type amusement place down the street from lone star oh i did not work there and they had disney stickers all over it and we were always like how is disney allowing this to happen <laughs> <laughs> how are they not getting sued that's true. Yeah. Yeah. They had like one of it's a it's a it was a children's park, mostly boat craft, I think is what it was called. Yeah. And they had like one ride that was like that stereotypical ancient uh the ancient That's ride with the, roller coaster. With the tracks that shake in like yeah. the yeah. Yeah. And Flounder was like on the side of it. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. I worked there on the swings for like a weekend. And I was like, nope, this is not for me. This is not for me. I also had this great, I wanted to be a mafia mole. I remember feeling stuck in New Jersey and I wanted to live in New York and I was trying to figure out how to live in New York. But I also was like, hmm, maybe I can become like a real housewives of New Jersey like 20 years before that show had been started. It didn't work out for me. And I worked at uh, Lord and Taylor in Westfield, New Jersey. And I wanted to work in like women's shoes. And I got stuck like in men's 
suits. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to I do mean, it. especially 20 years ago, like people breaking out of stereotypical societal modes was so much, so much harder. It's still really hard. And it still, was so hard. Yeah. I remember I quit Westfield. I had to yell at like the, the woman that was the president of what I, or she like was the manager of that particular store. And I remember having a meeting with her and she was like, I don't understand why you don't enjoy working in men's suits. And I was like, the highlight of my day is measuring somebody's inseam. <laughs> that doesn't happen often. I want to be in women's shoes. Like, I don't understand Yeah. why you won't let me move there. Um, whatever. It was New Jersey. So, um, so then I moved to New York and we kind of lost track. I think we talked about moving in for a while on Staten Island and we were going to do that. And then we didn't. And then we kind of lost track. And then, God, it seems like forever ago. Yeah, it was. It was a, a long time ago. I, I visited you in Staten Island, and then, and then you moved into New Brooklyn. York. Yeah, and I, like, got. I came to try and visit you, and my phone died like right before I got there, and I just couldn't find you. <laughs> it was like a strange experience. The, last the mysteries of New York City. Mysteries of New York. City. I couldn't find myself half the time that I lived there. Gosh. I think, sometimes I think back on my experiences in New York City and I think, how 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 am I still alive? Because hmm. that is a mysteriously, beautifully crafted, wonderful city, but in its own way, it's very dark and like a real life LA law or SUV program. Like I'm like, I don't know how I survived. Anyway, we're moving on. We're moving on to current events. So one of my current events that we wanted to talk about this week that I wanted to talk about this week is, and I'm, I love this subject, but it has definitely gone through a course of changes in the last couple of years. Some people say for the better. Some people say for the worse. Yesterday was the show us your shoe parade, which is a very popular tradition among the Miss America organization and their pageant every year. And essentially it's girls from each state, Miss Mississippi, Miss Georgia, Miss Florida, Miss Nebraska. They sit in the back of an open car, like a convertible. And as they drive down the parade route, they show their shoes and it started in Atlantic city as a precursor to the pageant every year. And it was a way for girls to show off their creativity. They designed their shoes. I remember Leanza Cornette years ago from Florida had oranges and orange blossoms on her shoes. So it's just a kitschy kind of precursor to the pageant every year. The pageant this year is not until December. I believe it's December 21st for the 2022 Miss America pageant. But the pageant this year is celebrating its 100th anniversary. So the first Miss America pageant was on September 8th, which is tomorrow, 100 years ago. Which is crazy when you think of all the institutions and all the things that are still going in America that is a great testament. 
My mom was a part of the system. My grandmother was a part of the system. Had I been born fully female, I would have won Miss America. That's no doubt in my mind. But I took Vita to go to her one and only Miss America pageant. I want to say 1998. It was the year Kate Schindel won. And Kate Schindel went on to become president of um, the Theater Guild and the Actors Union for the Theater, AFTRA. And she is an actress and she was from Jersey. But I remember dragging, Vito was like, what are we doing tonight? And I'm like, we're driving to Atlantic City. <laughs> $10 tickets to go see the Miss America pageant. Vito was like, uh, that's not really happening. Yeah, but you were so excited about it. And you had your tiara out. It was impossible to say no to you. <laughs> I was so excited. I was so excited about it. But do you remember any of it? I do. I actually, um, actually, the thing that really stands out in my memory so much is is watching the your emotions through it, because you, you know, it, like immediately were so joyful to be there. This is my obviously my perception. So, and, and through memory through 20 years of <laughs> So, um, but, but I like saw so much joy in watching you watch the stage. And then I saw your emotions kind of shift to just sorrow that you weren't going to be Miss America. And, and I saw some tears. I remember some tears, but just like watching how meant how much it meant to you helped me look at the pageant presentation in a different way which i think was really valuable and i still went on to coach in that system and i went yeah. in i went on to become a judge um on the florida state level still may do it moving forward the pageants changed a lot i'm not really sure i'm on board with a lot of their new ideals but the fact that it's a hundred years this year is huge, huge. Um, and I and I do like when girls still strive to be a part of that. I do. I think that ties into our next current event loosely, but I think pageants help show girls their value in the world. I think beyond the pretty and beyond being gorgeous and gracious and all that, I just think it helps build up self esteem. And it helps women find a valuable place in this chaotic world where women are still not valued beyond being pretty or being smart or having control over their own body. And that leads us to our next current event. Drum roll, please. Not that they deserve one. Texas. Yeah, they uh, they banned abortion after six weeks, which is before most women know that they're pregnant, which is insane. And it's and it's just abusive, like and, and punishable now, punishable. Mm -hmm. And I saw I've seen so many memes this week. I saw one on Facebook the other day that said. A woman could go out and sleep with 94 men in the next year, and she would still only carry one baby, one would take, 
and she would carry it to term, right? One baby. But a man could go out and impregnate 94 women in one year. Why aren't we giving men vasectomies? Yeah. Because those can be reversed. So why aren't we making men get those straight away and then say, you want kids and you're in a viable situation to have them? Great. You can go get your vasectomy reversed now. I really see this as related to the larger issue of like exerting control over over each other's bodies. Like telling people that telling people who know that they're, you know, I know you're intersex, but for, for somebody who's trans, like telling somebody who knows that they're in the wrong gendered body, that they can't, that they can't address that. Like that's insane. That's That's insane. insane. And it's going to lead to more mental health issues, which Mm -hmm. we already battle with every day in some way. Yeah. You know, we'd say in the intersex community, even though being intersex is not trans, all of these unnecessary surgeries that happen to intersex individuals out of the gate mm-hmm. because doctors choose a path for them. Right. And that may not be the right path. Let them go through puberty and see how their body's going to react. And then they're at an age where their parents can sit down with them and their medical team can sit down with them and say, this is what you're looking at. What would you like to do? Right. But again, If we're going to go back to something like Texas is doing, people aren't going to have that ability to stand up and fight for themselves or advocate for themselves. No, and and even to the point of endangerment of life, you know, like if a woman is, is expecting to carry a child to term, has a name picked out, and then in that last month of pregnancy finds out that if the baby continues for one more day, that she's going to die, right? That's an impossible, impossible situation where a family has to choose between the, the woman has to choose between her life and her child's and different women make different decisions, but not having that decision taken away. There are so many situations that are just, or, or just a woman who knows that she's not going to be able to support a child. (laughs) Because then what? Because so many women will show up and say, I need help. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, you shouldn't have opened your legs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just leads to, and then that it makes you think about Mexico, which I was reading about Texas, sharing this with you earlier. Mexico today came out and said, no we're not going to punish or criminalize people for having an abortion. We're not going to do that to doctors. So they're performing them. We're not doing that, which mm-hmm. I laugh because you think Texas and Mexico are go hand in hand with so many other issues politically across the board. And good on Mexico, good on Mexico. But I just, Oh, what, what a, just a capital blow, I think, to women everywhere. And just, I can't imagine, I just, people people have been telling me for weeks on TikTok, move to Texas. I'm like, there's no way I could get pregnant, but I'm not about to step foot in that state. Like, because then when I do need something done, you're going to come back and be like, nope, can't do it. Right. Nope. You can't do that. 
Yeah, I mean, the only the only positive thing that I see as a potential coming out of it is how many women are enraged right now. And every and every enraged woman to me represents another person voting against the status quo. Right. Or standing up and having their voice heard. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We are going to move into Julie's a mess. What? This is the segment of our show where I tell a story from my past and my guest, based on how they know me, gets to finish the story or try and come close. Vita claims she um, she correctly guessed the ending to last week's story about the infamous man approaching me in the casino when I was on the show with Jake. Charlie has been on my show a couple of times, and Charlie, my friend, always gets the ending. I don't know if that's because he knows me so intrinsically well. That's not even a word, but I'm intrinsically. You were there. <laughs> I was I was almost there. Like I yeah. was uh, <laughs> Dina knows me pretty well too because I haven't changed a lot. And actually it's funny because we were at a restaurant. She mentioned it earlier. We were at a restaurant we worked together called Lone Star Steakhouse. Lone Star can also be attributed to being a part of the Lone Star State, which is Texas which ties into what we were just talking about. I'm, I'm making the connections now in my head, right? <laughs> dot, 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 straight line. Uh, curvy, wavy line. Now, I'm not going to tell. There was a story. That, I don't know if you remember. There was a really cute young military guy that we worked with that everybody was just enthralled with, especially he worked usually lunches. This is not the Julie's a mess story, but just to give you a highlight that I have always been the same person in both vessels. I approached this young guy once during lunch. We were all just sitting by the bar and I said, Oh, I can see that you wear boxers. And he said, yeah, how can you tell? And I was like, because of the way it's laying. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I was like, if you were wearing like boxer briefs, it would be tighter up or tighter up to your abdomen. I'm like, you're not, you're wearing boxers because I can tell that it's just kind of having a lackadaisical day. And he was so like embarrassed, but flirty. And I was like, all right, I got to go wait on my table now. <laughs> <laughs> same person same person so um this story is Vita. okay so let's i'm gonna tell this story because i told vita earlier this story is light and funny but it's also how i have felt throughout the better part of the last couple of weeks hmm. i have been so emotional with packing and trying to get out of nebraska that I haven't, I mean, even men are trying to take me out last minute and go do things with me. And I'm like, nah, no, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. So like, that doesn't mean I won't do it when I get to Georgia. It just means that I'm like, I, no, leave me alone. So oftentimes at Lone Star on the weekends, Vita knows, I think you, didn't you start off as a cedar there too? I was always a host there. You were always a hostess. 
So she knows. There were times I would turn around to her and I'd be like, you sit me again and I swear to God, I'm going to cut your fucking throat off. Like, she got it from everybody. Like, it was not always a heyday. And I think what the servers hated about it was on Fridays and Saturday nights, back in the day at Lone Star, every 30 minutes, the servers had to line dance. Everybody had to line dance. But not the guest. Well, no, but like all but the like staff had, had to line dance. Yeah. Right. And when you're waiting tables and your food's late and the kitchen's behind, the last thing you want to do is line dance. Yeah. One, because there would be a couple of times you'd be line dancing in the restaurant and people would like tug on your t-shirt and you'd turn around and you'd be like, what? You know, and you <laughs> and they'd be like, "Where's my steak?" Well, I don't know. I'll check on it as soon as Toby Keith finishes the song. <laughs> like, and it was horrible because they're frustrated, you're frustrated, and you're line dancing. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it totally made it look like you didn't care that their tenderloin steak had taken thirty minutes. And I I started to get smart because. I would always make sure I had like a pitcher of Coke and a pitcher of sweet tea and I'd come line dance. (laughs) So at least it looked like I was trying to do my job while the company was making me line dance. Sometimes you would make tips because people would be like, will you teach my wife how to line dance? And you're like, sure. So you get a little bit of an extra tip. You're like, well, that works. That's good. Do you know what I mean? But it just on a Saturday or Sunday night, it became, there were nights when you were just like, I don't want to line dance. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. I've done it every 30 minutes for the last three hours. I've worked a double today. So I've been line dancing ever since lunch. I don't want to line dance anymore. And then they would keep us late some nights and be like, we're learning a new line dance. And you're like, Mm -hmm. fuck. Fantastic. <laughs> Great. So I and I do believe that there were some waiters that were there that just wanted to line dance. I don't even think I don't know why they had a job. <laughs> there were some waiters there that were like, I just want to line dance and roll silverware. I'll roll your silverware for you. Great. <laughs> Go for it. Clean it before you roll it. So um uh, so one night, it was like a Saturday night. I'd had the worst night. Vita, I knew you were there because you were always there. And so um, I, they would always announce when you had to be ready to line dance, mm-hmm. which, I, which it just killed me that they put so much emphasis on line dancing. Now I loved, it's rare that I like everybody that I work with. And that I like my management staff and that Lone Star, I really did like everybody that worked there. Like we all got along. We'd all help each other out. We all bitched about the same stuff. Even the management, we all bitched about the same stuff. The cooking crew was fun. And I worked in a lot of restaurants in my life. So, I mean, it wasn't that. It was just, I think that night it was the people. I think I didn't want to be there. I felt like, like I just didn't want to be there in my yellow Lone Star t-shirt and my jeans and my tennis shoes. And I just, I was having a night. So they would announce usually like 10 minutes or sometimes the 
uh, cedars would come through and be like, hey, heads up. Mm -hmm. And then it's we're line dancing. And you'd be like, oh, ooh. okay. So on this particular night, I didn't want to line dance. I didn't want to do, I'd already line danced like three times at night. I didn't, I didn't want to do it. I just didn't. My tables were not turning over. The kitchen had been a little slow that night. So um, they line danced. And Julie was not out there. <laughs> Bradford wasn't out there either. <laughs> they line danced. No me. Um, finally, somebody found me later on that night and was like, you missed the last line dance. Where were you? And I was like, oh, oops. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. So Vita, tell everybody where you think Julie was during that line dance. What was Julie doing that made her not available for that line dance? And in my defense, once I figured out that it worked, Julie started to miss a lot of line dance <laughs> on Saturday nights. I mean, in order to not get like lectured for it, it would have had to have been some kind of side work, which is a lot more legitimate than my first thought. <laughs> in my defense, I was doing side work of a of a certain kind. Yes. <laughs> And it was side work that I could be like, oh, I didn't know we were dancing, if that helps. I could be like, oh, I didn't hear the announcement. I I, I didn't hear it. Sorry. But were you in the back room? No. Kind of. No. Because there's that party room. No, I wasn't in the party room. You would have heard it. You would have heard the music in the party room. I found somewhere where you couldn't hear the music. You couldn't hear announcements. I swear, God, I swear to God, somebody could say the restaurant was on fire. <laughs> and I wouldn't have heard. Oh, were you in the walk-in? Yes! <laughs> I would go, I would go make salads in the walk-in. Because remember how all the salads needed the base like lettuce? Yeah. So I would go in the walk-in and make salads and stack them so people could just run in there and grab them and throw their toppings on and be done. <laughs> that I thought that was so ingenious. I was like, I'm going in the walk-in. And I would sneak in, like I'd make sure all my tables had everything they needed. And then literally right as people were like throwing things to the side and running outside to line dance, I would just sneak into the freezer door shut. That's very clever. That's a great Make salads. <laughs> then I'd be like, oh, it's been about four minutes. I'd poke my head out and be like, oh, nope, there's still line dancing. <laughs> Sometimes I would tell whoever's next to me, like if it, I can't think of her name, but there was a short little um, adorable redhead and she was dating one of the other servers. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of her name right now, but um Loved her too, but I'd be like, will you check in on my tables during the uh, line dancing? And she'd be like, sure, you're not going to be out there? And I'm, I have a headache. <laughs> <laughs> she'd come back in and she'd be like, they want more butter for their baked potato. I'm like, I'm on it. <laughs> it's cold. I'm really Is cold. Donna, was Donna her name? No, she was adorable. She, yeah, she but she was, was like, dating one of the twins, right? There were the two twin servers. 
Were the twins dark headed? One was, and the other was blonde, and they were shorter. It may have been her. She was really cute. She lived. She lived right down the street, away from the restaurant. And um, I remember I stayed with her a couple of times, and her boyfriend was really like conservative. <laughs> would get mad at her whenever she would do things with me that were like hmm. questionable. Hmm. So I remember one time I cut penises out of a Playgirl magazine and hid them like in her sugar bowl at her house because she was like, he put sugar on his cereal every morning. Yeah. And so I was like, well, he's going to get a big surprise tomorrow morning. <laughs> and she'd come into work and she'd be like, he was so mad. He was so mad that there was a dick in the sugar bowl. Kara. 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 What's her name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, I wonder where she is right now. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to find people when you go on Facebook and type Kara. Long, long, long story. Yeah. You won't find them. You won't find them. Jersey. <laughs> Kara. She'd be like, oh my God, you've changed, you think. <laughs> <laughs> what gave it away? <laughs> we are moving. Good job. I'm so proud of you. You were really trying. You were like, I did. I put in a lot of effort. Last week felt easy. I was, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you got it. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Uh, so it's about 6.33 in our podcast. We are moving into five questions. So five questions is a chance for us that are listening at home to better get to know Vita. I'm going to ask her five questions. Oftentimes conversations stem from the five questions. It's a way to get to know her better. There will be questions about her. There'll be questions about us. So my first question for you is recently you and Eric adorable Eric that fixes Colonel Mustard. <laughs> I mean, I was looking at that. I was like, I need a guy like Eric that just wants to fix the lawn. Right? He is, I'm so grateful. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where you found him. I need to go and hopefully they have a store. So anyway, um, y'all moved recently into something called the tree house is what you're calling it. But is it a traditional tree house or is it just surrounded by trees? Tell us about that. So we we just purchased our our first home and we moved uh, across states to do it. So we we were living in Eastern Pennsylvania. We moved down to Chesterfield, Virginia, which is right outside of Richmond, and we lucked out and found a unicorn property that has three acres and um, a main house, a working farm, and a back house, as well as a pavilion and a few greenhouses. So we stayed in the treehouse, which is not technically in the trees. <laughs> it's more built around the trees while the floors in the main house were being refinished. And you love it. So it's got, it's got, a, and y'all are uncovering a lot of walkways. We are. I mean, so the, the seller had um, some really challenging life events that um that meant that the farm ultimately did not get cared for um the last couple of years but it's obvious and i'm just turning to plug my computer because my light just flashed at me <laughs> um computer's about to die <laughs> all right fixed <laughs> um 
it's obvious that they had put a ton of care and planning into the property before that because uh, he built the treehouse actually uh, which has a ground floor it's plumbed and there's a lofted guest area with stairs outside that wrap around the tree so they kind of built i'm moving tree. in i'll be there next week <laughs> nice <laughs> but yeah i mean and there's so much good structure underneath and and then all the things that need TLC, and there is a lot, uh, are just like the wear and tear things that like you have to keep up with. Like the plants haven't been tended in the right way. In a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's some great stuff and y'all are finding great critters and it's fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it, feel, it feels like such a blessing. I, um, I feel like it should be on the Discovery Channel, and instead of the Browns, I'm watching the Blanchards, and like it's like your little head, <laughs> and I, I click on Facebook, and I'm like, ooh, they found a turtle. Yeah, and I, uh, I actually, I have a, a business teaching rooted arts. Uh, <laughs> I have a business called Rooted Arts. I'm like most of the way into my glass of mead right now. <laughs> I'm almost out of my franzia. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and I teach mindfulness and I'm also a Reiki master and, uh, I teach massage and offer medical massage, but for the past year, I've been working with people over zoom. And one of the things that I love about this property is that Eric and I are actually, he's joining me in rooted arts and we're expanding it to just cover and reflect on like, and our vision is kind of in progress and it's, you know, expanding, but mindful ways of interacting with land and with food and with every part of life and and that and one of the things that makes my heart so happy about it is that that was my vision for rooted arts from the beginning which is why my tag is a practice in conscious living i think I, re recently i have really felt a connection to the earth and to fire mm -hmm. and i joke you know because on tiktok that we like you're a witch and i'm like uh maybe <laughs> But um, I, one of the things I'm looking forward to about going back to Georgia is just being close to the ocean, which I've always been drawn to the ocean. Mm -hmm. And um, I told a friend today, I said, I need a day where I can just take a beach chair and go sit on the beach and just have a really healthy, cleansing cry. Yeah. Like my body and my energy has just been craving that and i think i wouldn't be surprised if my first day arriving in savannah i don't just run to the beach and just sit there and just sob because well, i just know feel like collectively that's what i need yeah and and that's i mean it's really profound that you know that having that awareness is is huge and and one of the things i mean you were talking earlier about how you're moving again and you you just have all these changes coming up and one of the things that i really like to keep in my mind in terms of change is that change always lights up our amygdala it, it, it triggers that survival response and and that means that change is inherently scary and and like having to go through and do you know, we're, we just moved, we saw are surrounded by boxes, <clears throat> deciding what to keep, deciding how to move, 
making all of those decisions about change is a lot and decompressing and honoring is really honoring yourself to just give yourself that break. And, and on the other side of that kind of like profound release is more clarity about yeah. what's next, you know? Yeah. So and I think it gives you a piece to kind of maneuver through whatever's coming Mm-hmm. good or bad. I just think it gives you kind of this, like you said, a clarity just to mm-hmm. kind of be able to be like, you know, it just gives you that collective chance to just be able to breathe and sigh and just push kind of everything out on a way and just know that collectively you're where you're supposed to be at this moment and you're open to all of that. Okay. So we talked about the truth. That was your first question. So second <laughs> question Second question, um, what's your favorite memory of us? So actually, while you were talking about uh, grieving, um, I remembered watching like, like both of us just needing a cry and like watching a sad movie together. I think it was Marley, does that make sense? Like Marley and me. You know? Yeah, that was a tough movie. Yeah, and just like, we were like, I I think it was, I remember it as I came to visit you in Staten Island and and you had cooked like something simple and and you were like, I really need to cry. And I was like, that's great because that drive was intense and I'm stressed the fuck out and I need to cry. Staten Island was another, when I think of Staten Island and I think of Nebraska, those two years, the year I was in Staten Island and the year that I've been here in Nebraska, they mirror each other in the sense that they've been very hard mm-hmm. as an adult to get through. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think of, I'm thinking now of things that went on when I was in Staten Island and I just, I hate that I've had to repeat that, you know, this year has been really hard. I've gotten a lot of great things out of being here in Nebraska. I started just Julie.com. Mm-hmm. I've come into contact with people that have really kind of uplifted and supported me in different ways. And I wouldn't necessarily have had that if I didn't come to Nebraska, but the year in itself mirrors Staten Island in so many ways. And I think that's why collectively I'm just like, I want out. And I think I personally feel like as soon as I drive over the border from Nebraska to whatever state's next on the way back to Georgia, I think I'm just going to spend a good like four or five hours probably sobbing on the freeway. Because mm-hmm. I'm just like, ugh, I just, my spirit just feels it. Like I just, I can't get, I can't rid myself of it fast enough. So it's funny that you mentioned that. And I feel like things are said when they're said and, and things happen when they happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, when you said that, I went, bam, this whole year has been like Staten Island for me. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to, because for me, New York was considerably better than Jersey. And so I'm just hoping that Georgia is considerably better than the last year that I've had here in Nebraska. Question number three. How'd you and Eric meet? 
Uh, well, he, we frequented, the simple answer <laughs> is that we frequented the same coffee shop. <laughs> but um, I, he, he, he at the time uh, would work, he always works remotely, um, but he would work at the coffee shop uh, in the, in the public market in Easton. And, and I went there sometimes, but I met him and we like had a casual conversation. And then I started drinking a lot more coffee. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. Smart girl. Smart girl. Do you like uh, coffee? No. I, I come here every day and I figure I, I, I love coffee, but I love small business. Yeah, I right. I love I love coffee, like a cup of coffee in the afternoon, which is not how I drink it when I was trying to get more Eric exposure. <laughs> and I kept Can y'all <laughs> imagine Vita? She probably would leave that coffee shop and she was like, Ugh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the caffeine, right? She was like, Oh, this for man. Oh. It worked. <laughs> And then I, I kept inviting him to things. I was, I had gotten tickets to go see Margaret Atwood speak, and I invited him to that. I had gotten tickets um, for, I like, I just kept inviting him to things, and he, and I kept like seeing him out and about too, because we kind of had like a crossover of friends behind the scenes. So after like months and months and months of me inviting him to go to things, he he finally came and stopped by the bookstore that I was uh, working for part time at the time, and and he came in and like the bookstore happened to be empty and we had like a really connected conversation and uh, and he was blushing when my coworker came in. And he's oh, like, it's like you got mail. Right? <laughs> he's so he's so pale that like he was bright red. <laughs> so it's, it was really cute. You know, um, I would have been like, I would have been working there and I would have been like helping you. I would have been like, here's a great book on the Kama Sutra. Here's a great book. <laughs> Eric, look on this book on how to please a woman. And really please her. Here's a book <laughs> called Dixon Colonel Mustard. So he's able to get through the treehouse yard. <laughs> yeah. And then I, he's listening to this and he's like, oh my God. <laughs> so we actually have been talking a lot the past couple of days about um, the night that we like, because we, we had a slow moving like thing but the the night that we really like like we held hands and we stayed up until sunrise talking and sitting on the floor of my bathroom <laughs> i've sat on that bathroom floor before <laughs> um and uh and so like i a, a bunch of a bunch of friends came out with me and uh, and we went to this place, Two Rivers Brewing Company in Easton, which is great. And, and we, we, I got up and went to the bathroom. When I came back, the whole table had gone outside to smoke cigarettes, right? And and Eric uh, had just gone with him because he didn't want to sit by himself. But so I came to this empty table, and it looked like everybody had left except 
Here was Eric's bright blue striped scarf folded neatly and draped over the back of his chair in the most visible way possible. Right? So cute. I'm still here. <laughs> so I so I went outside. And when I got outside, everybody else was just ready to go in. And so Eric and I stood outside talking for a little bit. And at the time, he had waist-length hair. His hair is still, like, fairly long, but it's not as long as it was. And so he, like, took out his ponytail to kind of, like, adjust his hair, like everybody with long hair does. <laughs> and and I was just so entranced, and I reached out to touch it. But it, like, happened to be this moment where he moved his head away but he moved his head and saw what I was doing and then turned his head and put his head like back under my hand. It was the most adorable thing. I'm not calling Eric a dog, but it's like when a dog is totally like, (laughs) pet me. It was really good. <laughs> Who needs Hallmark? Just okay. ask Vita how she met Eric. <laughs> me. Um, let's see. Que- uh, question. Fuck. I've been drinking. Question. I think this is quite. That was question three. I think. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Question number four. How did you come up with the name Rooted Arts? Uh I was taking a metaphysical class at a center for spiritual living, uh, which is um, which is a, an organization that essentially believes that God is everything, one organism that we're all a part of, um, and it's and it's traditionally more spiritual than religious. But so I was in a in a science of mind class, studying this metaphysical stuff, which means doing a lot of deep introspection. And one of the assignments in that class was to do a visioning exercise. And so I was at home working on visioning where I wanted to be in five years and what I wanted my life to look like. And, um, And I saw this land i like i keep telling eric i saw this land (laughs) literally but but i but i saw like a small yellow house with lots of lands around it and people interacting with each other and growing and just practicing being in present moment together and um and so i I like came out of that vision knowing that I wanted to call it rooted arts. It wasn't like a decision that I made in so much as like it felt true for me, you know? Somebody just joined our chat. I'm listening to that, which I love. Susie Evolutionary just joined. Oh, hi, Susie. She said, hey, gorgeous gals. (laughs) She said, Vita is the best. Truly gifted, wise, and also hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. Susan. You should see us together. Go back and watch the rest of this video. <laughs> Julie may have to come visit the treehouse in the next couple of months. 
Yeah, um, we we are. One of the reasons that we're so grateful to have the treehouse is that well, I'm I'm going to be taking clients out of there soon, but it gives us the ability to have guests. Yeah, no matter what the pandemic looks like. You know, like even if we have to distance, we can still have people come and visit. You know, it's so nice. Susie um, said that laugh though. <laughs> yes, yeah, she's always had that laugh, Susie. Always. Susie I remember that nice. laugh when people would come into Lone Star and be like, We want a table, we have five people, and she'd be like, What? <laughs> come back tomorrow. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you need a reservation. Um, quite your fifth question. Your parents, I don't know why this just came to me, but I'm a big, usually I used to write out my questions if I know enough about my guests. But I also like just the evolutionary, thank you, Susie, <laughs> progress of where questions come from. And so I remember your dad and mom being very particular about your education and being very kind of like grounded in that being your successful future. Like, I just remember them always being school-minded. Not always, but it just, there was definitely a concentration on that. Uh, are you close with your parents now? And uh, how do they feel about this trajectionary kind of journey that you've been on? I know. I don't <laughs> always ask the questions, Vita. Oh I don't need now. To. I don't always <laughs> ask the fluff questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> to, um, preface, to preface this question, a lot of people often ask me about how my family has felt about what I've had to go through. And I have always said that I don't honestly believe that children are born onto this planet to necessarily please or fit into their parents' perception of what a life should be. Mm -hmm. that, that we were given to our parents and they taught us everything they taught us. And they taught us that in a sense to push us out of the nest. But my journey is not predicated on my mother's journey or my father's journey. My journey, in essence, has nothing really to do with them. I was given to them as a charge to make into a great person and teach very valuable things too. But my journey is inherently my journey. And so that's, you know, I asked this because of that. Right. So just so you know. Yeah. So, so specifically um, the parents that you met were my father and my stepmother. because uh, mm -hmm. My mom lived in Montclair already at that time. And they, I mean, the short answer is that they don't love what I do. And they, and they have forever been after me to, uh, to get a nine to five. That's what, what their perception of success is having a, a salaried position that, you know, comes with benefits and, um, my definition of success is is being joyful and yeah. and feeling like my life is in alignment with me. But you've always been that way. They they um they celebrate my like 
markers with me, which like the things that they really understand. So um, when I got my bachelor's degree, they celebrated that. When I finished massage school 20 years ago, they, they celebrated that. Um, I'm, I'm close to getting a master's degree in consciousness studies uh, next spring. So they, they already are asking me about celebrating that. But those are like the the big markers that they that really make sense to them. When I when I call up and because I'm close with my dad. Um, yeah, you always have been. Yeah. Yeah. And my stepmother and I are close now in a way that I wasn't with her in high school. <laughs> but but I you know, when I when I share with them like, oh, I was meditating and I had this like beautiful experience, and then after I opened my eyes there were new three clients, like there were new sessions with three clients, you know, then they're like, okay, why are you connecting those two? Cause they don't, they don't. Cause they don't understand the metaphysical versus the practical. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just not where they're at. Right. Um, it, it's interesting. And that's okay. I mean, we talk about, I talk about all the time, um, I say this all the time, and especially as I advocate for the intersex community, if somebody doesn't understand something, it's not necessarily because they're dumb or they're stupid or because it's just because they've not come in contact with that in their lifetime. It's not Mm -hmm. in their wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. So therefore their, their brain, their practical brain goes, Oh, I've never heard of that. It's not a fit. I can't compute it. It's like a computer, you know, like I, I don't recognize that algorithm or that train of thought. So yeah, I mean, I, for them, they just, they don't get it. Do you know? Yeah, like, and I see that as like having a lot of moving parts. Cause like, like you talked about earlier, feeling like you're repeating an experience that you had. And, and that's true for so many of us. Like universe will offer us a lesson gently and then it'll offer us a little more loudly, and then it'll just smack us over the head with it, right? Then it'll slap it like a mylar bag. It'll be like, hey! <laughs> and and so that. I think one of the valuable things about having close relationships is when we can when we can listen to the insight of, of the people around us with an open mind, not necessarily just accepting it, right? but like with an open mind then we can learn about valuable things that exist in our blind spots and our blind spots are places that we literally can't see like we can't think in a new way because we don't know that there is a new way to think it <laughs> lee o'donnell has joined he said hello good vibes Nice. I'm assuming these are your friends because I don't have any. (laughs) There are a lot of people that support just Julie and we are grateful for their support. Um, So that was five questions and that allowed our listeners and viewers at home to get to know Vita a little bit better as well as uh, Rooted Arts. Uh, We certainly, if you have a website or a link, for people to look at. We will include that tomorrow when we release this live, if you would like to do that. Uh, You're gonna stay with me a little bit after the show, just so we can catch up a little bit more and then I can ask you what you wanna share that way with the show tomorrow. So you understand how things work. 
This show will always be visible on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, Just Julie. And then tomorrow we take the audio from this and we kind of rip it from the broadcast and it will appear on Spotify, iTunes, Blurry, all the podcast uh, dominions that we have access to at Just Julie. So uh, everybody will be able to hear about Rooted Arts and what you're up to and what Cutie Patootie Eric's doing out in the yard. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> All that stuff. And I'm kind of, I'm starting to think of Rooted Arts and your new homestead as like Fantasy Island. And I'm like, Julie needs to come visit. I need a Mr. Wart. I definitely need some Reiki. I could use a good massage and I could use a definite, definite catch up with a good friend and spirit from the past. Yeah. Uh, so we're now at the part of the show where... Um, Vita gets to ask a question of me of what it's like. Well, it's not even what it's like. Vita gets to ask a question of what it's like to have been in my shell, in my journey, my XXY intersex journey. It can be a question that she's always wanted to ask and maybe wasn't sure how to approach. I've never thought that to be a problem of her. She usually just asks. Um, but it can be any question that she wants to know about what I've had to go through as an intersex individual. In answering the question for her, I get to complete a puzzle piece for a friend, but I also get to educate the world at large that's listening as to what it's like to live in a very intersexual life. So Vita, the floor is yours. Well, I, you know, we were apart when, uh, when you, stepped into being Julie. Um, and I would love to hear, I've, I've seen some things about your journey and I know like the amazing social justice warrior that you've been, which kudos. Um, and, and I, and I'm sure that there have been like, Is there any wine left in this bottle? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'd really love to hear like what felt or maybe feels the most challenging for you in in deciding to to step into I don't know a yeah. new life yeah like a new so just to give you a little bit of backstory and for those that have just joined and they have no idea what my story is about or who I am, you can always go back and read my blog, which is available and even watch past episodes of Rosé All Day at Just Julie on YouTube. We ask you to subscribe to that and then just follow me on JustJulie.com. That's J-U-S-T-J-U-L-E-I-G-H.com. Let me see if I have a banner that supports that. I think I do. That says... Yeah, there we go. So um, I knew at 17 that I had an extra X chromosome. But the general consensus at 17, so that was before you and I met, was just to give individuals more testosterone that will masculinize them out. They'll never have an issue. They'll be fine. And then when I lived in New Jersey and met you and was living in New York, I had a prostate cancer scare. And it was attributed to being on so much testosterone mm -hmm. at that point in time. So I got off the testosterone and I wasn't on anything. Fast forward almost 23, 24 years. 
I went and did a study at the National Institute of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. And at that point in time, my crew of eight doctors that were on this protocol came in and said, you are producing extremely low levels of testosterone and you are producing even lower levels of estrogen. Your body needs a dominant hormone. With all the other issues that you have going on, you also now have lupus and osteoporosis of the lower back and spine. And while there's not a cure for that, we believe if you go on all of this estrogen, and when I say all of it, somebody that's trans may be on three to four, six milligrams a week, right? Mm -hmm. They wanted to put me on 48 to 52 milligrams of estrogen a week. And that's what I'm currently on. And I said, that's going to cause me to fully transition to the end of my female spectrum. And they said, yeah. It is. And you need to go home and have your ovary and testicle removed. And you need to have a partial hysterectomy on your partial uterus that grew in the womb. And, you know, yes, but yes, that's exactly what it's going to cause. Now, at the time, I just thought I was a gay man. And I remember saying to the doctor, well, what if I go home and I have the ovary and the testicle removed and I don't go on the estrogen? And they looked at me with the gravest of faces I've ever seen. And they said, you can do that. But I'm pretty sure your life isn't over. And if you do that, we all believe that have been monitoring you for a week and will monitor you for the rest of this week. The reason we're talking to you this morning is because we believe you'll be dead by 48. Mm. And I don't think you want to be dead by 48. And for me, I immediately had a breakdown, mentally and emotional. I went back to the hotel that night. I drank three bottles of wine. I called my family. My siblings were all on board. I called my parents. My mom, God love her to death, but I have to understand where she was raised and where she came from. My mom's initial reaction was, You've had a great life and you've oh, done amazing things. And don't take the estrogen, don't transition. And if you make it past 48, you do. And if you don't, you don't. Thanks, mom. <laughs> My dad said, how much longer you get if you go on the estrogen? And I said, I asked that question. And the doctor said, they're not in the business of prediction, but that they think that they can give me an additional 15 to 16 years, but that medical miracles happen all the time. Mm -hmm. And my dad didn't skip a beat. He said, Brad, I would rather lose you in 15 to 16 years as my daughter than to lose you in five years as my son. You're going to go tell them you want that estrogen. Mm-hmm. For me, that was not the hard part. I already knew from doing drag and from being slightly feminine most of my life, I knew that I was going to be okay and that I would look okay. Mm-hmm. You know, when I showed them pictures and was like, what am I going to look like? They're like that, but softer and better. Yeah. And so for me in the last three years, I absolutely revel when I go out in public and people go, oh my God, you're stunning. Or, oh my God, you're beautiful. Or, oh my God, like, how are you still single? <laughs> That's been a delight. Yeah. Right? 
I I revel in that. Give me a compliment. I will run to the bank with it. I think what's hard for me and what we shared a little bit prior to going live tonight and what I just talked to my mother about is because people don't really understand intersex, I fall into the trans category a lot. Mm-hmm. And what most men understand about the trans category is what they know from watching trans porn. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to dating, I get fetishized a lot and I'm often treated like that unicorn that men want to cut the horn off of and be like, I was with the unicorn or I've always, I had somebody today was like, you have too many issues. I just want to fuck a tranny. Mm. And I was like, ouch, one, I'm not a tranny. So that means that you haven't really read my story and understand it. So I wouldn't really want to be with you that way. Two, I have more than, I have more to offer than sex. Mm-hmm. I have more to offer than sex. And if you can't peel back the layers and see what I bring to the table, I don't want to have anything to do with you. But the hard part is that's what men want. And I can't flip the script to find the man that doesn't want trans sex or doesn't want intersex sex or doesn't want different sex. So for me lately, that's been the struggle is that I have a lot of love to give and I have a lot of passion to give in my life. And I can't seem to find anybody that wants to share that beyond a blowjob or Mm. anal sex or just fucking. And that's frustrating because then I think I did all this. I didn't do all this to necessarily fall in love. It doesn't hurt that now people see me as stunning, whereas Bradford, they just saw me as cute and funny. Mm. But in light of everything, even when I think about everything we've talked about tonight, Texas, the ruling they've made over women's bodies, the different things that we're collectively dealing with in a society that's just broken. Mm -hmm. I think how sad that there are people out there that just want to have sex and they don't want the connection. They don't want anything beyond that. They want me because I'm different, but I've always said a whole as a whole, stick your dick in a pool pump. It's going to feel the same. Like, I sex is sex and it's wonderful and it's pleasurable, but at the end of the day, it doesn't fill my love tank. Mm-hmm. And that's been really hard thinking that the outer shell will, but then I, but I, I tell people too all the time, this is a vessel. You're not, you're not loving me for me at the moment. You're loving me for the, you know, it's like, here we go. This is a great example. It's a box of wine. <laughs> you know where I'm going. This is a box of wine. You don't buy it for the box. You don't. You don't buy it for the box or the artwork on the front. Mm-hmm. You buy it for the wine on the inside. You're consuming the wine. This is a bottle of Facial oil. You don't buy it for the bottle. You buy it for the contents. To get the nutrients from the contents. You're not 
spending time with me because of the vessel. You want what's inside me. You want my life spirit. You want my love. You want my connection. You want my energy. You want to be able to have a mind that you connect with on every level. That's what you're, you're connecting. So I need that connection. So it's very frustrating that I'm often looked at as a sexual goddess or unicorn, if you will. So for me, that's been the hardest part. And then to have to deal with the mental of missing out on that has been really trying. That's the best way I can explain it. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Don't fetishize people, people. You know, because don't. Like, it's, it's a vessel. Well, it's all, I mean, from my perspective, mind, body, and spirit, right, all go in to make up the person that we are. And... Like, I, I know I want my body to be appreciated, but not more than my mind or my spirit. Right. You know? I want to be appreciated. I can so empathize because I want to, I want the whole package to be appreciated. You're beautiful. And you have Eric. I'm sure he appreciates it. <laughs> no, I just, yeah. And I get it. I get it. Yeah. I'm a little jealous. I'm a little jealous, Vita. I'm a little jealous. He's pretty. He is pretty. He is very pretty. I just said that to him yesterday. <laughs> he's, he's pretty. He's very pretty. I'm like, maybe I need to become vegan and live in a hut somewhere and get myself a pretty man with long hair. <laughs> tempting. tempting. Susie said, oh, I love this. Education is everything. Education is everything. Part mm -hmm. of my overall platform is... I cannot change the world or change perceptions without education. Um, I'm blessed that my parents were both educators. I'm blessed that I have connected with people like Vita that are also into education. So um, Susie's like, wow. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm also, I don't have a filter. Feel free to ask me anything at any time. I will be more than happy to answer. Um, I'm probably, you know, after my box of Franzia, this is a good, Franzia is going to be like, we're not going to be her wine sponsor. <laughs> Franzia is probably going to make me go make bad choices later and sleep with somebody I don't need to be sleeping with. Franzia. So anyway, um, it has been a joy having Vita on this episode of Rosé All Day Julius. A mess. Exciting things are coming in the pipe for, or pike, however you want to say it, for Julie. Please follow us at Julie, justjulie.com for more content. Please subscribe to this YouTube channel. If you're listening and you never watch, please take a moment to come and watch us. You will find a lot of things in our live stream that you don't get to necessarily understand just by listening to us on iTunes or Spotify or Blurry. And if you've never listened to us, maybe you'll get something out of just listening to us and not watching us because I know a lot. So... Um, <laughs> that next week we will try another rosé uh i am looking at pulling out a nebraska closer to the 18th now instead of october 1st that should be a journey because i still don't have a place to live in georgia so um as i said to my mom today i am known completely blair and charlie can absolutely attest to this 
I am known for jumping out of the plane and then going, uh, did I grab a parachute? So um, that should be fun for everybody. Follow me on TikTok if you're not. Thank you for watching us this week. I love all of you. Thank you for the support. Know that for all the jokes that I make, I am certainly tender and raw on the inside as well, which I think is why a lot of you love me. So come back and join us next week for a new episode of Rosé All Day. Julie's a mess. I'm going to speak to Vita in the back for a few minutes to catch up. And I love you all. Have a great week. Thank you very much for your support. For more content, follow JustJulie.com. That's just Julie, J-U-L-E-I-G-H.com. Thank you to our guests, and thank you for joining us this evening. Join us next week as Julie tries a different rosé.